And anyway, we're looking at the, the three items in the Ark of the Covenant this morning. They're listed in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 4. And we're looking, last week we looked at what they pictured for us, and this week we're looking at what they God provided from us. But the, the golden pot of manna, uh, I've listed it as Christ our resource. Now, he is our resource in every aspect of our life. Look up here at me. We need to learn that, and we don't know a lot about it. We know it up here, but we don't know it in here. And I'll cover that as we go along. But that manna that God provided for the Israelites in the Sinai Desert, somebody tell me, how long did he provide that manna for? Forty years. God was faithful to provide for his people. In that case was Israel. Today it's us. And he provided for them every day for 40 years. Now there's a lot of simple truths in here. Uh, let's go back and uh, let's go back to Exodus chapter 16 and get the picture of it because it's spelt out a couple of things that I want us to cover. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 14. <clears throat> And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay up a small round thing, as small as a horse frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna. Does anybody know what the word manna means? It means, what is this? They saw it and they didn't know what it was. And they said, manna. It means, what is it? They'd never seen it before. It's explained right behind that. For they wits not what it was. And Moses said unto them, now Moses is explaining what that man is. This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is what God is providing for you to have food for your body. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Now watch. Gather of it every man according to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons, that's in the family, take ye every man for them which are in his tents. Let me put that in the vernacular. God said, you go out according to everybody that's in your family, and you gather up enough to feed you and every member of your family today. That's important. He said, And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more and some less. That was according to the eating. And when they had and when they did met it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack, and they gathered every man according to his eating. Now watch, and Moses said, Let no man leave it till the morning. In other words, he said, Don't gather more than you need for today. Notwithstanding they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating, and when the sun waxed hot, it melted, and it came to pass that on the sixth day, because they weren't supposed to work on the seventh, they gathered twice as much bread, two almost for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. That day it did not spoil, it did not rot, nothing happened to it. But it pictures God's promise of a provision for them. God's promise of a provision for us. Are you all with me? How many of you believe that? How many of us worry about things tomorrow? 
Uh-huh. That's what that's what I said. We need it, David. We need that. God promised this is when when the Lord over in the New Testament, I believe Matthew turn to Matthew chapter six, verse eleven. Let's go there because we're gonna get in a couple of places there. Matthew chapter six, verse eleven. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. In the middle of it, in verse 11, he said, give us, this is how God said pray, give us this day our daily bread. He said, you just worry about what, you just ask me for what you need today. How many of us practice that? No, we don't. Uh, we won't take the time to read all this this morning, but I think you're familiar with it. Skip down to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, and uh, we'll take a little extra time because I want to try to encourage you. You said, you know, God said, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you should eat, what you should drink, and what you, for you put on your body, what you should put on. For not, for it is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment. Now we won't read that whole text, but it goes down through verse 34. But skip down to verse 34, and let's look at that verse. When he summed it all up, he said, God feeds the grass of the field. God clothes the grass of the field. God feeds the sparrows. Now he's coming back and he's talking to you and I. Verse 33, he said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these things will be added to you. He said, you don't have to worry about that. Now watch. He said, take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Now, why did God say that? Because God knows what tomorrow holds, and God knows what our needs are tomorrow, and God knows how to provide for our needs tomorrow, and he doesn't want us as his children to be worried about it. Y'all want me to repeat that? Now, watch what he said. He said, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Anybody know how that literally translates for you and I today? God said, you've got enough to be concerned about today without being concerned about tomorrow. And yet you and I, I find it in my life. I'm sure you find it from time to time. Like I said, I know you realize you're more spiritual than I am, but we always worry about tomorrow. We always worry about tomorrow. And did you see the picture in Exodus chapter 16? Those Israelites, what did they practice? They practiced a a lack of faith in God's promise to provide. God said, you go out and gather enough just for today. That's all I want you to get. I'll take care of tomorrow. They didn't believe God. They gathered up enough to have a little laid back in store. So that, now I'm not against you and I having some plans, and I don't think God's against that. But to worry about it? We got people in this church, I've talked to them, we got people in this room. They worry themselves sick about tomorrow. Amen. Y'all want me to say that again? <laughs> We're always worrying about something, and it's always about tomorrow, David. I've never talked to hardly anybody's worried about today. What about tomorrow? Now listen to me. Let me try to make this real to you. How many of y'all have got children? Try to imagine what God feels like when God's made us a promise as his children. And he said, I'm going to provide for you. You, 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 you take what I've got for today and I'll take care of tomorrow. 
God wants us to trust him. Can you imagine how hurt he might be by our lack of faith, lack of trust, that sort of thing? Y'all understand what I'm talking about? Now let me put it in the vernacular where we can understand it. You've all got children. How many of you would even dream about letting your children go hungry if you knew they didn't have food at their house to eat? You would do whatever you had to do to take care of them. If you knew that your children didn't have clothes to put on their back, I don't care what it is, you'd make some kind of way. If you had to get out and get a second job and dig ditches, you'd make sure. Our God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. And he is grieved when you and I don't put our trust in him and say, God, take care of me. God, take care. I'm over 80 years old. I've never missed one meal. Matter of fact, I've ate a few extras. <laughs> Are y'all with me? Listen, God wants us to trust him. God wants us to believe him that he'll provide for us tomorrow. And he said, don't take any thought about what you're going to put on, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. He said, I'm going to take care of that because I'm your daddy. I'm glad we're not left alone to cope in this world that we live in. We are, we are you know, somebody, and this is a good practical, facetious. I've told people several times, I say, don't tell me worry doesn't hurt, doesn't help. Worry helps, because everything I ever worried about never happened. Y'all get the picture? We are masters at worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. We sit and fret and stay up at night thinking about tomorrow. God said, don't take any thought for tomorrow. She knows who I'm talking about. For one, there's some others in here too. <laughs> are y'all with me? Somebody turn to Psalms chapter 37. Somebody turned out, son, Alan, if you get it over, just read the one verse. All right, I've already asked him to read it. Just hold on. I know it. We'll get to you next month. This is David, King David, talking in Psalm chapter 37. What verse? Start at verse 23, and let's read uh, 23 through 25. The steps of God, the steps of a God man, good man. The steps, the steps of a good man, are ordered by God, and He delighteth in His way. Though He fall, He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth Him with His hand. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. See, David was well up in age, just like I told you. I'm 80 years old. I've never missed a meal. It's always been one. There was a time when Diane and I didn't have anything. We never missed a meal. David said, I'm young and I'm old. But I've never seen any of God's children begging bread. Because God feeds them. Keep in mind what you would do for your children if they were hungry, if they had a need. Doesn't matter what it is. I don't care if it's medically, if it's clothing, if it's whatever it is. Even if they're just fretting, fretting and fussing about things and worrying themselves to death, you're going to sit down and try to take care of it. Amen? God will do the same for us. Watch if you let him.
Hebrews chapter 12 says, Beware lest any man fail the grace of God. We can fail the grace of God. Now, I know I'm taking some time on this thing, but we're masters at worrying ourselves sick, staying up night, getting up early, talking about it at the coffee. We're just masters at it. Seems like we thrive on it. God said, I don't want you to worry. You don't, take, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. I've already been to tomorrow. I don't know about you, but I like it. Philippians 4.19, God said, My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Are y'all with me? God wants us to believe him, trust him, and walk by faith and say, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to put in, what I'm going to eat, where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do, if I'm going to have money. If I, you don't have to worry about nothing. God said, I'll take care of all that. All right, let's look at the uh, second thing. This, All of these are vitally important. My goodness. Aaron's rod that birded. That is a provision. Christ, our Redeemer. He provided redemption for us. Uh, go back to Numbers. Go over to Numbers chapter 16. Let me ask you a question before we move on. Does that picture that God gave us there help you? Let me ask you a second question. Will you trust God by faith? Or are you going to walk out of here and just go right on fretting? God said you can fail the grace of God. Let's don't do that. I want you to have peace in your heart. God wants us to have perfect peace. I want my kids to have perfect peace. And when they don't, I want to help them. God wants us to do the same thing. All right, let's look at, uh, you probably remember this. Look in uh, Numbers chapter 16, verse 41. There's some more behind this, but we'll get to that next week. It said, but on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Those were the two spiritual leaders saying, I have killed the people. You have killed the people of the Lord. It wasn't Moses that killed them. God opened up the ground and swallowed them up because they rebelled. And we'll get to that next week. And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron, and they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation, and behold, a cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces, and Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar, and put on incense, and go quickly into the congregation to make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord, the plague is begun. And Aaron took as Moses commanded, and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was beginning among the people, and he put on incense and made an atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. And they that died in the plague were 14,700, beside them that died about the matter of Koran. That was the 250 before that. And Aaron returned unto Moses under the door of the tabernacle and of the congregation, and the plague was stayed. They had rebelled, they had sinned, they had uh, uh, rebelled and disobeyed against God. And, uh, and they were, what were they rebelling against now? Keep this in mind, this is part of it. They were rebelling against God-appointed leadership. 
They were rebelling against God-appointed leadership, Moses and Aaron. Aaron. Moses was God's prophet. Aaron was the high priest. God had appointed them. Now, God said, I'm going to show Israel uh, who I have appointed. We don't read all the text, but they come back and they said, Moses, you and Aaron are taking too much authority. You think you're running this thing. They were running it. Why? God put them there. We need to understand that today in the local church. We got a pastor. We got leadership. We've got everything in place, and God put it there. Uh, turn to turn to uh, verse chapter seventeen, number seventeen, verse one. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and take of every one of them a rod according to the house of their fathers, of all their pictures according to the house of their fathers, twelve rods. Write thou every man's name upon the rod. For time's sake, I won't go into the rest of that. But he told Moses, he said, You get the leader out of all the twelve tribes, and you select one, have them bring one rod to represent that tribe, and you put the name of the leader of that tribe on that rod, and then you bring Aaron's rod, and you put Aaron's name on Aaron's rod. And he said, you put all, all of those rods before the, the Ark of the Covenant, the Tabernacle of Testimony, and said, tomorrow morning I will show Israel who is God's appointed and who is not God's appointed. They spread all those rods out there. Verse number 8. These were all just rods, staffs, shepherds they were cut off, we looked at that last week they were dead, they were not alive they were sticks y'all with me? verse number 8 and it came to pass that on the morrow Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and bloomed blossoms and yielded almonds, it bear fruit God pictured the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ to where he redeemed us in that rod. But he was showing, he was pointing out, he said, Aaron's rod was dead. It's come back to life. It's bloomed. It's born fruit and everything. And that pictures our Lord Jesus Christ when he was resurrected and redeemed us. That spelt out. We looked at it last week and the week before. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53 verse 2 said he was rooted out of dry ground. Verse number 8 said he was cut off. He was a dead dried stick. How many of you have ever seen a dead dried stick bloom and bear fruit? Not but on one occasion has that ever happened since the world began. But Aaron's rod came back to life, and it, verse number 10 tells us it, it came back to life and it bore fruit, and it pictures God's provision of redemption for you and I through his resurrection. That was, turn over to, turn over to Romans chapter 1 and verse 4. We've got the assurance of God's provision. This gives us the assurance of our salvation and that for eternity. Romans chapter 1 and verse 4 tells us how that took place. Let's look at verse 3. Paul says, Concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, now watch, and declared to be the Son of God with power, According to the spirit of holiness, now how was he declared, how was it proved? By the resurrection from the dead. 
that rod coming back to back to life pictured our Lord Jesus Christ dying, paying our sins debts, declared to be the Son of God, and he came back to life, to, to life, to live forevermore at the right hand of the throne of God to make intercession. And that applies to you and I in every way that you can imagine. Uh, look over in John chapter 11. John chapter 11, let's look in verse 25 and 26. Y'all all are familiar with this. He's just trying to emphasize this. Jesus, in the talking to the disciples about the raising of Lazarus in verse 25, Jesus, Martha came and questioned him. Martha, Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus answered her, number 25, 11:25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, shall yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me, what? Shall never die. Made me read, did not die. Two o'clock yesterday afternoon. She just left this house, moved to another house. Got a new body. Got a new body. Corinthians says we got a new body, one what? Not made with hands. <laughs> we need to keep at it. That's the hope that you and I have. We've got the we've got the hope and the promise of God that God's gonna provide for us. We've got the hope and the promise of God that He has redeemed us from sin. And we're never gonna die. We're gonna live forever. We're just gonna when God's through with us in this life, we just pass from this life. I preached a lot of funerals and to try to help people, I said that casket right there. Won't you know that Mamie Reed's not in that casket? You say, well, who's in there? Nothing, nobody's in there. Just an old house that she loosed to build in. But last, yesterday afternoon, God said, Mamie, we've been working on this old body, trying to get it all, fix the roof and fix the shingles and fix all this windows and all this stuff, and it's just beyond repair. So he said, I'm, I got a new house made for you. I'm gonna move you out of that old beat up, ragged, run down, torn up house, put you in a new one. We've been redeemed, and the Bible says we shall never die. We talk about dying. Christians don't die. There's never a time when we cease to be alive. We just move out of this house made in the flesh to what God has made. It says made without hands. God created it. And it don't need no medicine. I don't know about you, but I like it. Let me touch on one more thing. We're probably not going to get through, but... Uh, it says in, uh, don't go back there, but Numbers chapter 7 and verse 8, it said it, it bloomed, but it also did what? It bore almonds. It bore fruit. Because you and I, it was, it was a picture of redemption, and in that picture, it bore fruit. Now, let me see if I can get this on a practical level. Once you and I are redeemed, what does God expect us to do? Bear fruit. Bear fruit. Now, there's different kinds of fruit. I'm going to touch on two or three of them, and we'll be through. Uh, number one, we need to bear fruit. It says in three ways on your outline. Our character develops and produces the fruit of the Spirit. Turn to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. You're familiar with this, but we'll read it just for... Our character, our Christian character changes from the old character to the new character. And this is what God says you're supposed to bear as a Christian. 
in our Christian character, we're to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 22 of chapter 5 in Galatians, what does it say? But the fruit of the Spirit is, there's nine of them, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against sense there is no law. Let me point this out. There's nine fruits of the Spirit. All of them are positive. There are, there's nothing negative in the fruit of the Spirit. Y'all with me? What does the Bible tell you and I to do over in Ephesians 3.20? Be not drunk with wine, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. If you and I are filled with the... If a Christian is filled with the Spirit, what's going to be present in our life? Nine things. Let me ask you a question and don't answer it. What are you and I filled with? I got a, I got a, I didn't find a glass. I got a cup of water. <laughs> it's full to the top. What's it, what, what's it full of, David? Water. water. You assume right. You're smarter than you look like. <laughs> it's full of water. This is just a simple application. If something happens and somebody bumps that glass and jostles it around and it spills over, What's going to spill out? Water. Nothing else, just water. Why? It's full of water. If a Christian is filled with the Spirit and something bumps us, aggravates us, something happens, if we're filled with the Spirit and we get jostled around, what's going to come out? The fruit of the Spirit. Are you all with me? If the pastor does something that we disagree with, if we're right with God, we'll approach it in love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Let me just make a point of this. And I've seen this through 47 years of ministry. If somebody in any church, anywhere, something's going on in that church, and I've dealt with it this week in a distant city, trying to help a pastor, he does something and it upsets somebody. Y'all listen, you can make, you can, you can know what's going on. If that person comes and talks to you and they're negative, they're critical. You know what you can know? You can know one thing for sure. They're not full of the Spirit of God. Because if they're full of the Spirit of God, it's love, joy, peace. Now I'm not saying we have to disagree with one another. We can disagree in love. We can disagree in joy with long-suffering. Y'all understand what I'm saying? But be careful. Almost every church that I know of across this country, and I know an awful lot of pastors, every one of them has got somebody in the church that stirs up trouble over everything that happens. And we need to, we need to be aware that when somebody comes to us if he comes to me, no, let's do it the other way around. If I come to him, I don't want you to be criticized. Nobody. If I come to Alan and said, I need to talk with you, just share a prayer request. You know what old Woody Chipman did over there? He did this and this, and that ain't right. You figure out right quick, I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit of God because I'm being negative and critical. 
If I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God, I say, Woody, I need to get with you. Let's have a cup of coffee. Let's talk. Are y'all with me? Anybody. Anybody. Are you, the devil is a master at sowing discord. The devil is a master at sowing discord. And you and I need to be careful not to sow it because we live in a body of flesh and we're in danger. Number two, we're supposed, we, we need to be very careful not to listen to other people and sow it and entertain it and egg it on. Am I with you? God said we're to bear fruit, just like that rod bore fruit. Uh, a couple other things, we'll just real quickly, and we won't get through with the whole lesson. It changes our Christian character and develops us to where we feel we, we, we produce the fruit of the Spirit. Number two and number three. Number one, our conduct changes. Uh, Ephesians 4, 17 and 32 says, it's a long passage, but he said, the fruit of us being born again is that from that day on, we walk with God. I always think of Enoch. You remember Enoch? He said, it, when, once Enoch made a decision, he said he walked with God 300 years. I wish I could say that. But I start every day saying, God, I want to walk with you this morning. I want to walk with you today. Every Christian ought to practice walking with God, that it bring glory to his name. And then number three, it will produce converts that will come to Christ because of our witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's found over in Romans 1, 13, 15. You're all familiar with that. He said, I am dead or not to the Greek, the barbarian, but to the rich and the poor. And he said, but as much as it within me is, is to preach the gospel to every creature. And it's the power of God to salvation. Our being filled with the Spirit will produce fruit in our character, in our conduct, and in our converts. That ought to be the goal of every Christian, to say, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want the Spirit to control everything I do. You know, David said, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord my God and my Redeemer. You and I have been redeemed. Let's act like it. David, let's pray and pray for Brother Cutshaw in their service this morning.